You know what? I'm going to have wet. Oh, I've already got wet feet today. We're three of us are walking to have our first go at swim packing, but fortunately, I have someone with me who not only knows a little bit about this subject, he's written a book about it. And Callum McLean's new book is out now, and unlike the podcasts which we've done with Callum in the past, we did one a while ago, which was all over Zoom and during lockdown, and we found out more about Callum at that time. This one, we're going to find out a little bit more about swim packing and his book. What's the title again? I get it's a thousand and one something. A thousand and one outdoor swimming tips. Right. I want to call helpful. I want to put the word helpful in there, and it's because it is actually. Um, what decided you to go with that format of a thousand and one? So Vertebrate Publishing, who are obviously the publisher of the book, it's their format. 1001 tips so they've got a climbing one there's a cycling one there's a running one I think there's quite a few coming out this year and uh, they were looking to do an outdoor swimming one so they approached me to do it and I said yeah I've had an idea I'd like to do a book sometime but I could never work out exactly what and how and whether I really want to do one yeah so um, yeah I thought yeah, that sounds kind of right up my street so it's a mixture of like straightforward, helpful advice, and then somewhat, again, trying to be funny and humorous. And although it's a thousand and one tips, it's not all. It's not all kind of straightforward. Do this, do that. The book's about also encouraging people and inspiring them to maybe think about swimming in ways they haven't before, and yeah, to be more adventurous with it, which is what I'm very keen for people to do. And that kind of ties into what we're doing today. You know, not just not just going for a swim, but combining it as part of a journey. Actually, this is probably a good point to say where we are and <laughs> yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. Because we started our little journey in Maleg, the fishing port on the west coast of Scotland, and took a bus down to Loch Eilot. So just half hour on the local bus. So we could meet Callum, which meant we could have a a car at either end, or a vehicle at either end, and we're now starting our walk. Just want to outline what we're doing because rather than me explaining it, you, you were here quite recently. Yeah, I came here in a recce a few weeks ago, and uh, so we're going to do the same route I did then, and we're swimming, basically we're walking up over a couple of hills, walking in towards Loch Morar, which is one of the big four lochs in Scotland. So it's the deepest water in the whole of the UK. Fresh water also, or salt water even, until you, I think it's as far out as St Kilda almost. So wow. incredibly deep water, yeah, 310 metres deep. And the wow. whole point of our journey is to go in, walk to the loch, probably about six miles walk in, and then to swim across the deepest point, um, round about two kilometres and that it connects up to the other side of Loch Morar and we can walk out and get a ferry back to Malig. So it makes a really nice, like if you look at it on the map, it makes a really nice journey from one point to another. And obviously it's self-powered, apart from getting the ferry at the end. So combining it with a swim just makes it so, I don't know, so simple and straightforward. And it opens up a new way of like looking at a landscape 
if you think, yeah, I could swim across there. So that is the aim today. Because I have, if I'm entirely honest with myself, I do have a few butterflies about this. <laughs> I've done, I'm old enough to have done an awful lot of hill walking, so I'm, that doesn't worry me too much. Yeah. But the thing that does is a swim in the middle. Now, if we were just going to the end of our loch where we live, and Liz, who is, who is with us, was saying to me, Simon, you're going to do a 1.4 mile swim. That would be, oh, okay, that's quite a way for me. Um, so there's a challenge. But the idea of putting that in the middle of this, well, this has become, I think, what's popular, popularly called a good micro-adventure. Yeah. But uh, I still have that frisson of something much bigger. Yeah. Uh, and that's quite good. Although somebody did point out to me, wouldn't it have been better to have got the boat in first? <laughs> because then you don't actually have a, a fixed point time to hit. Because there's only one boat at the other end yeah. that we've had to request. It is a ferry, but we have to request it to come at half, uh, and it comes at half past three. And if we're not there, it's going. <laughs> yeah, there's, so you could do this route either direction. I really like the, uh, so you're building up to the swim. Yeah. So it's like you're walking through some really beautiful landscape. You'll see as we reach the top of the hill later. Um, but then you're, 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 it culminates in the swim just about, which is why I really like the effort to get to the swim point. As I said before, there's three of us on this walk-in. Liz doesn't really want to be part of the filming. She's going to be a camera person and she doesn't want to do any of the chatting on camera. But she did say, Callum, she really liked that 1001 layout because, oh, crikey, bit of a slip there. It's not what you think. It's not, it, it's not 1001 tips in that way. It, it's kind of a structure on which you can hang a very informal discussion yeah. about, about swimming. And yet, and yet within there, there are some really useful bits of information from people who are perhaps trying swimming for the first time, mm -hmm. or perhaps going to cold water swimming or skins for the first time, as in not wearing a wetsuit, or going on something like this for the first time. It's that different steps that you want to take on the swim journey. Did you find that Actually, I, I was quite, the question is really more as a writer. Did you find that structure liberating in many ways? Because mm. it, it certainly works as a reader. Yeah. Because you can put it, you could leave it, it's a brilliant loo book. Yep. Yeah, I hope you don't mean as. Uh, like no, I don't mean as wiping. No, I don't mean <laughs> as wiping. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, th I found that helped me a lot. This is the first book I've written, so it helped give me that structure and some kind of focus. But at the same time, at the same time, a lot of it came through, you know, when I was writing, I wasn't writing, some sections I wrote in a list. So I'd write a list and then I'd add to each point almost. Right. But at other times, I'd just write a paragraph, several paragraphs, and then work out how they would get broken into points more, into, into, into tips as it were. So I wanted to get the information across, but not make it, not make it a list, you know, not make it do this, do that. One, two, three, four, like that. Yeah, because there's a swimmer's handbook out at the moment mm. that, I mean, I'm sure it's very good. We've got it. And 
but it feels very dense and it feels a little intimidating to me because there's so much information packed in there. Whereas this seemed really flickable. You could alight on any page and find something quite useful. Yeah, I think uh, the book is for anyone that's interested or does swimming. A lot of it is focused on people who are maybe, you know, getting into it or want to find out more and maybe don't feel they're that experienced yet. And a lot of it comes from the kind of questions that I get asked uh, as a swimmer and often through people just contacting me. Who I, I might not know them at all, but asking me questions. Um, so a lot of that... Is this because of your profile on social media? Yeah, a lot of that, yeah. Or even if I'm out swimming at Loch and then there's someone else there. I met someone who'd swum once outdoors, uh, the first time in her life, just recently. And so, in a way, in a way, you know, like as a hill walker, for example, or as someone who does outdoor swimming a lot, once you have done a lot of it, you can sometimes forget how maybe, you know, like intimidating or like how new it can feel to people. So you just take things for granted that you have the knowledge base of how to keep yourself safe, how to keep yourself warm and get yourself dry and, you know, mm. very simple things that people might not realise initially. So I really want to get those points in, but then also make it, make it a book that encourages people to try new things, you know, to, to, push, their, to push their boundaries a bit and did, hopefully... Did you have to do much research for it or did you know most of the stuff? There was a fair bit of research. A lot of it actually came from looking back at things I'd done and kind of notes I'd taken, for example, when I was filming three different series of um, Jan Uschke, a programme on BBC Olipa, all about outdoor swimming. That's our Gaelic channel for people who are not in Scotland. That's right. And, um, yeah, look, looking back, look at a lot of the swims I'd done for that and the things I'd learned, for example, from planning of those swims and even from the safety crew that we'd have. If you were ever swimming at sea, we'd have a safety boat, so... A lot of the things that they'd been, you know, telling me about and taking into account. So a lot of it was that. There was a quite a lot of um, double-checking stuff in terms of research. There's a few of the sections weren't even written by me. Um, so there's sections in the book that cover things to do with... Things to consider if you're going through menopause or swimming when you're pregnant. I was or, thinking that, and yeah, menstruation, menstruation and all. Menstruation, yeah. So obviously my knowledge of these subjects is pretty limited. So luckily enough, um, I had three other swimmers and writers contribute to those sections. So that, you know, that really helped, especially, I mean, you'll know it yourself, outdoor swimming as a thing seems to be kind of female dominated as a pastime, which, uh, you know, it's great, but me as a man, there's also, yeah, the subjects that I don't know about. So it's good to have someone else contribute to those. Why do you, I, I dare, dare I, dare you answer this question? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Eh? Why do you think that is, that women seem to do so much better <laughs> in outdoor swimming? I think there's a few different reasons, but I mean, I can't, I can't put a finger on it. I think one big thing seems to be the community aspect of it, I think. But in my experience, women will swim together as a group and maybe do it more just for enjoyment whilst also, you know, aiming for things and but as a group, maybe just doing it for the pleasure and the enjoyment and the camaraderie, where, I don't know, men seem to be more, more often goal-focused. So, you know, like, oh, I've got a triathlon to train for and I've got an event to train for. 
I'll train for that. And, oh God, that's so and, uh, I feel really guilty now because you're <laughs> spot on. But uh, I don't. I mean, that's not a bad thing. But I think the fact that like outdoor swimming almost creates groups like that, and people come together and share the joy of it and share the fun of it, so it becomes it just continues in that way. But um, women seem to handle the cold a bit better than men, speaking generally. So I don't know if that's to do with. We'll not stop here because it's got yeah. the audio of that. Yeah. But I don't know if that's to do with like. Um, are we crossing over here? Position? Yeah, I'd go here. Okay. I drank all my water on the way here. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if I actually put my water bottle in the bag, so. We, we've, we've got water bottles in the bag. And we've got a hot drink. Oh, there you go. But, um, you know I read your book. <laughs> the bit of Liz that she has just said that we have to cut out to protect her sensibilities. <laughs> is that this is not just a beginner's book, that she's been swimming for a long time. When she lived and worked in London, she was always up early, going to the swimming pool, what have you. And she's been swimming skins year-round in Loch Sunart, where we live. So she wouldn't say she's a good swimmer, but she is. She can keep on going. Sounds good to me, yeah. And yet, yet she found stuff in there she didn't know, and... The, the point that I think is, ma is really quite key is she didn't realise how much she did know. And those two, those two things must be, must be good to hear from an experienced swimmer. Is that the kind of a response you'd want? Yes, for sure. The idea when I wrote the book is to get people who maybe aren't into swimming or don't know so much about it say, yep, I want to try that and also to have people who are into swimming and swim and consider themselves outdoor swimmers to say, yep, I get it, that makes sense to me, totally, totally agree. So that's the two kind of things I was aiming for. Um, so yeah, to hear that, that's brilliant, I love that. Why do you think that has been, that explosion? Big in, in wild swimming. Yeah, so... Um, and, and also, actually, let's just pick apart that name for... Well, no, let me, let me ask you that as a question. <laughs> Why do you think that explosion in wild swimming? Because yep. a lot of people who don't do it are fed up with people who do it. <laughs> going on about it all yeah. the time. There's been a massive increase in, like, outdoor swimming, wild swimming, whatever you call it. Particularly over the last, well, five years, but two years especially. Um, and actually... A, a huge increase in the number of books <laughs> coming out this year as well. So I guess a sort of reflection of how popular it is. It could be a couple of reasons. One, one is to some extent like how often you hear about it. So it gets people interested. And the more people talk about it, the more other people are interested. Yeah, some people get scunnered with it and are sick of hearing about it. And I think as well... <laughs> The people who do it are often quite evangelical in a way. So like really encouraging other people to get into it. Like, you know... Like you? <laughs> like me, yeah. <laughs> Talking about how good it is and how much they enjoy it. And that gets people interested and be like, oh, you know, I'd, I'd like to go and try that. And then when they do it, often as part of a group, that shared bond of enjoying something together, I think, is encouraging people to kind of go back and do it more and more. So I think it's a mixture of, yeah, people being evangelical and also just hearing about it more like getting more press coverage it's all the time it's in newspapers all the time we hear a lot about 
kind of the health benefits of it and things like that. Yeah. Do you get all these comments about, why do you call it wild swimming? It's just swimming. <laughs> I try and answer them by saying, yeah. it's to distinguish it from being in the chlorine pit. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know, I kind of like, I used to get annoyed by the argument a couple of years ago. I just stopped caring now. <laughs> I just think, um, like, so I see it in two, I see it in two sides. One, I see people who, yeah, maybe get a bit annoyed at this kind of slight rebranding of what is effective swimming, you know? Which or has been going on for, for, yeah, for, well, for forever. Generations and generations. Since we're humans. It's not a new thing. But, um, so some people might think, oh, you know, it's a bit too, yeah, it's like um, kind of trying to brand it almost. And, and there's all it. this Wim Hof stuff, which is, <laughs> I suppose, is slightly different. It's slightly different, yeah. That's the yoga stuff. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like wild swimming, I guess. As soon as someone says it, you understand what they're talking about. That they're swimming somewhere natural, not man-made. There's no kind of rules or like, there's no lifeguard, for example. Yeah. It's the kind of, uh, the way I'd see it, if someone were talking about wild swimming, not for a term I use so much now, but that there. And it's not in the title of your book. <laughs> no. Yeah. So I think that's a key thing because it's not, a lot of the tips I'm covering are not what you'd maybe consider wild swimming as such. Like us going and swimming 2k across Loch Morar. It's quite wild, but it wouldn't be what a lot of people consider as wild swimming. I think it's a bit more committing. You know, you're into what, open water swimming or I don't know where the yeah. I don't know where the lines are. Names are awful really like this, yeah. aren't they? Put a label on something. Yeah. The other thing I I suppose I actively dislike are people who tell me that swimming in a wetsuit is cheating. <laughs> there was a big exchange in Outdoor Swimmer magazine a few years ago where people were saying it's like putting a motor on a bike. It changes the sport completely. It's not the same. And I just, okay, you want to do it your way, do it your way. Yeah, I think there's a place for the category, for example, in competition yeah. of swimming channel rules. Yep. So in a cap, swimsuit and goggles, and that's it. So I think yeah, there's a place for that totally, but I don't think it's the, I don't think you should put down on people who want to use a wetsuit for whatever reason. Some people can't handle the cold so well. Some Me. people just want to be in the water for longer. Me. And a wetsuit allows that. Some people like to train in the multiple sports. So doing that, you know, means you maybe got less time for recovery after you swim. You, you know, you want to keep your body fat really low if you're a triathlete, which means you really struggle in cold water. So there's things like that, I think. I'd like to say that was me, but I don't think it's true. <laughs> so there's, like, there's space for everyone, I think. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan of, you know, calling it cheating or whatever. Yeah, it's cheating if you're taking part in a race or an event that doesn't require it or mandates against it. But yeah, there's, sh do what you like, you know. Do what you like, exactly. You're listening to the Always Another Adventure podcast with Callum McLean and me, Simon Willis. Our hike started with a bit of a bang, climbing steeply from the road to the aisles, but we're now nearing the top of the high ground with a spectacular view of locks opening up before us, one of which we have to swim across. I suppose we're very lucky living in Scotland because we have so many expanses of water, partly due to our rain, but other people have to swim 
have to swim. Swim in rivers or reservoirs or, or lakes. And so water quality there, and I suppose to a certain extent here, becomes a huge issue. Yeah. Uh, you have to make sure it's right. How do you know it's good? And I suppose it's refreshing because it's going to lead to more people campaigning yeah. for good water. Yeah, I think uh, where I love to swim is often remote rural places, so the water generally is clean because there is not much human activity around. But where most people live and where most people will swim, you know, it's close to cities, in cities, places where the water may, might not be very clean. And I think uh, the fact that so many people are taking to the water now is really good in, first of all, we're at the stage of highlighting the problem still, I think, and making people aware, uh, you know, how badly our waters have been looked after and how much crap goes into rivers, for example, you know, how much wash, how, much, how many things are washed into rivers. In addition to that, if we're looking at the UK, a lot of waters in England, for example, you can't go and swim in them. So you don't even have access to that many places. So I think these two things, I think they're attached and combined. So improving access to waters, which I think England can look at Scotland for maybe guidance and the way we've done it, but also, yeah, cleaning it up, cleaning up our seas, cleaning up our rivers. Some of them are in a really bad state. Um, I think the more people get into swimming and the more campaigns that happen around it, the more it becomes like a movement and you get that critical mass where action does get taken and politicians do eventually listen and uh, whether it is, you know, whether it's even down to like privatisation of the companies, whether that's part of the problem, uh, you know, everyone needs water. Water is like one of the most basic things, whether it's, you know, drinking it or just getting access to it. So whether it's looking at how the companies that control the water sources are run, I don't know the answers for sure, but I think the more people get into it, the more we're highlighting the issue and the closer we are to getting a solution down the line. One thing I would highlight that really makes your book stand out is the quality of the images, because you're known for taking some pretty damn good pictures. Uh, in, in the most unusual, uh, the, and they're very unusual. Mm. They're not the sort you see in lots of magazines with just that one bent arm and the person breathing to camera, <laughs> uh, taken from the shore on a 400mm lens. They're, they, well, <laughs> They're unusual, let's just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, did you have, I mean, have, have all your pictures gone in there now? No, not at all. So when I made the book, um, a, huge, a large number of the pictures are mine. Not all are mine, I would say, because mainly, well, most of my pictures are of me or people that I know, so it's... You figure people might get fed of a city. Yeah, totally. And it's a pretty undiverse kind of group. So it's like, just like me, you just see me in every photo you get, on. Oh, I get a bit bored of that. So it's... Um, there's a variety of shots from other photographers as well, which is great. But I get, I get really inspired and almost like feel very creative when I'm around water and in water. And going for a swim always makes me think creatively. So that probably, you know, then manifests itself in a photo and like what the photo is and... It's a big part of your swimming, yeah. the taking the pictures. Yeah, it's not always. I would definitely say, not every swim I go and take photos. But yeah, it really, going for a swim makes me think, oh yeah, how could I? You know, how could I show this in a film, in a photo, um, in a different way or in an unusual way or in a way that satisfies me? So, yeah, that's, that probably comes out in a lot of my photos. 
Um, yeah, and it's good. And even within the book, there's some tips on how to get good photos and some things to avoid. And uh, I tell you, like any good photo I've taken, a lot of it's been trial and error. And it's only I've got one good photo because I've taken hundreds of bad photos in the past. But that's, that's most of our climbing done now, am that's I right? It. Yeah, it's all downhill from here, um, pretty much. We can, depends which way we go down, we can, can go into a little gorge or just go around it. But we, I think it's a good wee spot. I think it's just up here. When I was here a few weeks ago, I sat down and had lunch. And even within the last couple of weeks, the color has changed on the hills. So they are a lush green. Yeah. We're, we're, we're doing this in June. It's uh, mid-June and it's, uh, it's lovely. There's a, a just enough of a breeze, and we are just walking fast enough to keep the dreaded Highland Midge away. Because this morning they were they were quite virulent. That uh, we've also got some smidge on, which does help. What's your involvement with the Outdoor Swimming Society now? So I'm an ambassador for the Outdoor Swimming Society. Mm. So uh, it's quite a loose role in a way. <laughs> You're the ambassador to Scotland. <laughs> Our man in Scotland. <laughs> Effectively, yeah, maybe. Um, so yeah, I was The colonial representative of the outdoors. <laughs> nah, Sorry, you know I'm taking the peek. Not at all, eh? Yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, I just like to encourage people to do, get into outdoor swimming, whatever way they want to do it. Um, so yeah, very informal role. I don't have anything official I have to do. I don't have to represent them particularly at anything. No chains of office. Uh, no chains of office. I mean, so <laughs> the OSS has like a kind of a core group of people that you know do deal with campaigns and issues, and they write lots of articles and source information and all sorts of things. Um, so yeah, I'm just really there to help spread the spread the swim love, which is pretty much what their motto is. Um, so yeah, I've done a few things. Whether it's making videos or yeah, occasionally representing them in interviews and things like that. But yeah, I'm really just just almost doing what I do anyway. Oh um, crikey! Wow, look at this. I'm going to turn the camera on. Yeah. Now there is a video of this on YouTube, and there will be a link in the show notes to it. And look out for this shot in the middle because it's rather good. And we're heading over Shirar. to those houses in the distance. And then, and then where? Oh, you can see oh, a far right. off white Is cottage. That... That's the other side of Loch Mora. So we're heading very close to that cottage. I can just see there's a little triangle there. The GoPro won't pick it up, but if I stick my finger, there's a tiny triangle there. Is that Loch Mora? That's Loch Mora. Yeah. Wow. That's, we're basically That's quite a way to walk still, isn't it? Really? Actually, <laughs> yeah. might be downhill, but it's still a massive downhill. Land Rover track. So as soon as we get on that, we fly down the road. Okay. But yeah. Do you ever? All oh, right. You. you... Tell us the right way down here. Mm. Um, do you ever worry about overuse? You know, the book can... It's more a guidebook issue, isn't it, really, that, that, that you can encourage or create honeypot areas yeah. or, or make honeypot areas worse? Yeah, and, for sure. And I think we've seen that, uh, particularly in Scotland, with swimming locations, but also with like stuff like Bothies. Um, oh, yes. There's a very popular book, which in and of itself is a good book, but uh, off the back of that, some places became maybe too popular. Yeah, because of that, I didn't want to put, I didn't want to make a guidebook in the first place, but I didn't want to make too, too many locations. So there's, I mean, there's a handful of locations, more for people who are getting into it for the first time within the book. Um, I think, I mean, the places that I enjoy most are probably never become overused because of the, just the, the difficulty of getting to them yeah. often. 
but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is other than getting maybe better access to places so that people spread out more. Or it's, I mean, a lot of it is, uh, it's kind of the way of social media where people want to go and tick that box and say, yeah, I've been there, I've done that. In the way that like the North Coast 500 is a thing to do now. Yeah. In the way that like, you know, oh, I go to Sky, I want to tick off these five things. So it's a, maybe like just getting people to think in a different way. But that's like, that's a very long-term thing. That's not going to change uh, straight away. So I don't know what the answer is, yeah. So... Well, the way down from here? Yeah, it's kind of, uh, I think we could kind of go round the gorge a wee bit. I'll look at the map. Oh, last, the, last that time, gorge, right, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's <clears throat> the last time I went into it too much. Right, because there's, there's, there's also a way there, isn't there? How are, we, how are we doing on time? Oh, it'll be grand, won't we? No, oh, it's only half past nine. <laughs> so, I am uh, I'm thinking about that boat. <laughs> half past three boat. Half three, yeah. So, as long as we're swimming by one, I think we'll oh, find it. Yeah. We made our way down the glen to the south shore of Loch Mora. If you want to watch the journey, head to YouTube and search for Always Another Adventure. Being new to swim packing, I wanted Callum to go through the kit he uses, and the thing which struck me was that there's very little specialist stuff. It's a combination of hiking and wetsuit swimming gear, although there is one key piece. The main piece of essential kit is something that's going to keep everything else dry. So I've got a big, massive waterproof bag. That's my rucksack, and then I can drag it, I can tow it behind me, and effectively, when it's like that, there's nothing that's really causing any obstruction in the water, nothing to slow it down, cause any drag. Because everything I've got on now, I want it to be dry and warm so I can get changed pretty quickly on the other side. You trust your main bag, you make sure it's in good condition, but you never know. You never know what could go wrong, it could be a storm. You might have to open your bag for some reason, you might have to open your bag, so you want everything else to be double packed waterproof inside. I have taken fins as well. Now, just when you're to towing a bag, today it's not very heavy, so it won't really slow me down very much. But if it's heavier and if it's windy, having a pair of fins really helps. A wetsuit. <laughs> Loch Morar is not warm, to be fair. And the fact is we're probably going to stop in the middle and have a wee chat and look around. We want to enjoy ourselves, so we don't want to be just getting in there, getting straight over. Also, because it's cold, I'm going to double bag my head. So I've got a thermal cap and then just a normal swimming cap too. Trunks and goggles as well. I've not gone for any neoprene gloves or socks because it's summer, so the water's starting to get warmer. Um, and I find I think I'll be okay just with that. And of course, because I've got a giant orange bag, I don't have to carry a toe float because that is my toe float there. So yeah, trying to keep it all simple. Once I've got my swimming stuff on, everything else fits inside the bag. Inside the first bag I showed you, I've got food, uh, plenty of food. I've taken a towel with me too. I've got these dry clothes and I've also got a down jacket which is mega important, you know, you want to get yourself dried. We're probably not going to be moving about too much once we reach the other side for the first 10, 15 minutes, eating some food. So yeah, I've got extra merino layers, a down jacket, a hat, um, spare socks, everything that's going to keep me warm and dry at the other end, and a waterproof jacket as well, just in case it starts raining too. And a key thing about this is none of this is highly specialised kit. I'm quite keen to 
make people realize to you know to go on adventures to do things you don't need to always have like the best gear you don't need to spend loads and loads of money on kit it can help sometimes but for something like this uh, just think about what you need cover the cover the essentials and then the more you do it the more you want to spend money because you realize oh that wetsuit wasn't good enough or oh i could get a quicker a bag that flows nicer in the water behind me or something so yeah keeping it simple keeping it straightforward um, and keeping it something that anyone could do just about. And with that, we began our two-kilometre, hour-long swim across the deepest freshwater in the UK, in which my watch recorded a minimum temperature of 12 degrees Celsius. I expect the audio on this is going to be a little bit poor, so apologies for that. But look at this for a sense of place in the middle of Lochenborough. Oh, I just drank something. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, but what a place. Yeah, and I just... mean, what a feeling in the, the middle of there. satisfaction of just looking from where you've come from as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I got a shiver on. I am too. <laughs> Last kind of 10 minutes, I think. Yeah, We've just starting just, to feel. Starting to feel it there, yeah. 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 Right, time to get changed. Well, that was an absolutely amazing swim. It was nice being in fresh water for a change. We do a lot of swimming in the sea. And the sense of place in the middle of there was almost overwhelming because here we are a long way from any roads and we're right in the middle of a lock with mountains not massive ones but pretty big all around us it's a very lonely spot in the middle of there hats off to Callum when he comes and does this sort of thing by himself but there's a group it was very sociable and it was just a lovely spot to be Getting on the shore, well, the midges found us, of course, so, but that's good because you kind of hurry along and heading out on the pier picked up a little bit more breeze so it didn't get bitten too badly. Lots of warm clothing on, and we're now walking over to Tarbot. It's a couple of kilometres walk, definitely the shorter walk, and that is where we will get the boat out and back to where this morning began in Malig. Okay. Anybody want me to check a bag up? Okay. Well, that wasn't a bad day. That's good. Yeah. I think there's a real sense of satisfaction, uh, especially when you can get to the end of them and look back to the start and see what you've done. And as well as that, like I quite like telling folk, oh yeah, I mean, I just swam across instead of walked it, because it always slightly confuses people, I think. Um, but I like people, getting people to think about a journey in a different way, and that totally gets me better. Well, you see, that's it. It's 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 a diff it's a different sort of journey. It's yeah. one thing walking across the rough bands of Noida. It's something yeah. else walking and swimming. And there's also something nice about a journey that ends on a boat like this, isn't there? The I think so. It feels like your reward almost. So you've done all the hard work, and also, it, so it makes you said the word micro adventure earlier, and it totally adds in so many bits here today. So we had a big long walk. Well, a decent walk, pretty good swim, hard work, a little short walk at the end and then a ferry, so it feels like your reward for all the hard work you've done. And I think it also 
you know, you're physically going through a bigger, longer distance by taking a ferry too. So yeah, it feels like a proper fitting end to it rather than, you know, finishing back at your car or something like that. And you're sitting here with all these people with their rucksacks and you think, aye, but you haven't swum across <laughs> a lot. <laughs> the, the other thing I always think on this is, and it's partly why I called the channel always another adventure, yeah. is when you look out here, or we could earlier before this mist came down, you could see, you were already talking about what the next one was. We saw the Kyles of Noidart there and thinking, now you could swim that, Would, could we get over that hill there? And, and there's an element of that when you've had a good day, you're thinking, of, oh, right. And it, it's always like training almost for the next one, planning for the next one, for the always another adventure. Totally is, yeah. And uh, like you had the map out there and we were kind of debating, could you go over that hill? I mean, you could go over the hill, but is it worth doing it? And it's just things like that, you know, doing, going on an adventure makes you start to think about what you could do next and push yourself and challenge yourself a bit further. So the route that we did, I've got in my mind that could be part of a longer five-day route, potentially. I haven't worked it out yet. Well, Liz is already talking about that. She's yeah. talking about a bigger rucksack. Yeah. She's talking about, could, could you camp? How much food could we get? And all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the way it should be, I think, you know, encouraging you to try new things and to take on a bigger adventure and to, you know, shift your paradigm, really, is what it is. Because most people would never look at Lochmore and think, I can swim across that. But actually, if you're a decent swimmer, you're very capable of it. And as long as you can handle the cold and, you know, organising yourself and stuff like that. So, yeah, it opens up like a whole new world in terms of, whoa, what I could go out and do, picking up a map and having, you know, maybe a very simple day out. It might be a whole week-long thing. It might be something that takes you out one side of the country to the other. But it's just making you think about things in a new way and then setting yourself new challenges uh, that probably most folk wouldn't get around to doing. Yeah, you see, I hope your book sells well, Tom. I really do, but I hope it doesn't sell too well. Because <laughs> this is, I've got a sneaking suspicion that you're going to help organise and help push more people to this sort of swim packing thing. You've certainly introduced it to us today. For that, we're very grateful. So thank you very much for a great day. Well, thanks for coming. I think you guys are kind of prime people to, you know, do it. And I'm kind of almost surprised you had before.